from an interior designer's perspective, you also want to expect that the builder is giving the same in return and communicating and giving regular site updates. You know, that's the, that's the best thing if we're getting videos and photos um, that the builder is sending. Um, that makes you know interior designers feel a lot better as well. So it's going to go it's going to go two ways. It's not just about what the interior designers give the builders. As an interior designer, you want to work with builders that are prepared to show up and step up and communicate well with you as well. Hi. I'm Beth Beeske, the founder of More Time to Design and your host of the Design Dialogues podcast. I've been a designer for the last 12 years and I've run my own studio for five. And I know how hard it is to run a successful business. You not only need to be great at designing, but you need to be great at all the other things as well. I created More Time to Design, a software platform to help designers run efficient studios, and I've created the Design Dialogue podcast to help us all learn together. Each week, we will meet professionals who are at the top of their game doing things that help us run our studios. We'll have conversations with social media managers, interior design mentors, copywriters, stylists, photographers, suppliers, and also designers who have been in the game for a long time and who have such a wealth of knowledge to share. I hope that each week you feel inspired and informed at the end of each of our design dialogues. So join me for the Design Dialogue podcast. Welcome to episode 11 of the Design Dialogues podcast. This week, I am talking with Rachel Turner from Front Porch Properties. Before we get to the dialogue, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about what has been happening over at More Time to Design. We have just released some new features, more advanced scheduling tools, increased capability with supplier list, and more connectivity across the platform. If you're not quite ready yet to sign up for a free 30-day trial, but would like to see how the platform can help you build a better business, make sure to book into a product demonstration where myself and the team will show you all the features of more time to design. I'll pop a link into the show notes for how to book a demo. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, I would love for you to leave a review. Reviews are one of the best ways for people to find the podcast. If you are unsure how to leave a review, I will put in the show notes some simple instructions to follow. I really do appreciate you taking the time. This week on the podcast, we are meeting Rachel Turner from Front Porch Properties in Queensland. I really wanted to get Rachel on the podcast to chat to her about what it is like being a female builder. Since we have recorded this dialogue, Rachel has gone on to win five awards at the recent Housing Industry Association Awards, including Female Builder of the Year. It is a really interesting discussion around what it is like to be a female in a male-dominated industry, some of the holes Rachel sees in the industry and what she is doing to fix them. I hope you enjoy our design dialogue. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this design dialogue. Um, Today, we are meeting Rachel Turner, and I have been really looking forward to this conversation for ages. So hi, Rachel. How are you? Hi, Beth. I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good, 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 good. Um, now, I love to start um, each episode finding out about what everyone can see out their window today. So what are you looking at today? 
Oh, great question. Well, I live in a really old suburb in Brisbane. So outside my windows are just beautiful old homes, you know, 100 years plus. Beautiful. So as a builder, that speaks to my soul. That's why I live in this area, because I love the old homes. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. I imagine you must have so many. Well, if you're anything like me, you must have like snaps on your phone, like snapping details and all of that kind of stuff. 100%. Yeah, that's what I do in the afternoons. I walk around my suburb and there's just always new details to look at gable roofs or you know fretwork details I just love it yeah oh beautiful oh wow what a great vista to have out your window um so you I'm intrigued a little bit by you I follow you on Instagram and all of that kind of stuff because you are a female builder and you must be in the minority in so many situations and so I would love to find out how did you, how did your business get to where you are today? How did you become a builder? Like what was the path to get you there? Sure. Well, actually, before I was a builder, I was a classical pianist, believe it or not. Okay. So I moved. So, wow. The story gets even more. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I grew up in country, New South Wales and moved to Brisbane um, when I was 17 to do a degree in classical piano at the Conservatorium of Music. Yeah. Did a four-year degree and um, really loved it and then began um, teaching and started a music school and occasionally gigging and things like that. Yeah. And uh, did that for, uh, goodness, nearly 10 years. And um, yeah, loved it, but I always knew there was uh, something else inside me um, that really spoke to my soul and that was houses design and construction Um, so yeah I I I loved piano but I don't think it it was in my natural skill set I don't think I was to be perfectly honest naturally talented there I got good at piano because I worked hard and you know doing a degree and sitting in front of a grand piano for six hours a day playing Mozart and Beethoven you naturally get good yeah (laughs) uh, by perseverance but I don't think that it was my passion and my natural talent whereas I kind of knew in my heart that um, construction was it for me, this fire in my belly that I had. And um, so it's kind of a long story how I ended up becoming a licensed builder. And I have shared the story a lot before. I don't want to sound like a cracked record, but I'll briefly (laughs) briefly summarize. I started to um, buy and renovate and sell, having absolutely no idea what I was doing, but that's what I did. And the very first project that I did, did really well and sold straight away. And it ended up, um, getting captured in a big design magazine, it kind of went viral on the internet. And quite honestly, from that very first project, the business sort of formed itself and got momentum very quickly and um, kind of evolved. And ever since then, the business has always kind of been there ahead of me. And I've always been kind of forever <laughs> playing catch up. Yeah. Um, but from right, right back then, that's when I realized, okay, I need to actually uh, get all my ducks in a row here, get my proper formal qualifications and begin the long journey towards getting uh, my builder's license. Um, so that ended up taking me five years. Yeah. Um, it took me a lot longer to do than the probably the typical tradesperson because I didn't get a trade I didn't get a uh, a qualification in any trade and if you have a, a trade qualification in say carpentry then you only need to sort of um, get a couple of years of project management experience under your belt in order to then apply for a license but without a trade qualification 
it takes many more years, oh, four God. years, in fact, four years of evidence that you've been on site and running projects. So uh, that's kind of what I did. And yeah, it took, took five long, hard years. And honestly, getting that builder's license was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. But I just knew that I had to do it and I was committed to that. And I can remember the process at the time, just I had this system in place that I would wake up every single day and just do one small actionable step towards yeah. that dream. You know, even if it's just sending one email or yeah. making one phone call or one little tiny step. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just plotted along and plotted along and felt like I was getting nowhere. But eventually those <laughs> consistent daily steps, something happens over time where it kind of becomes the impact and result of those daily consistent steps suddenly becomes exponential yeah. and you kind of then finally see the fruits of your labor. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then eventually I um, <laughs> was able to get my builder's license. So I was kind of set up then properly yeah. and was able to have my business fully established. So Having said that, my business was already kind <laughs> of, you know, always you were along up. before that. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Exactly. So, Tell me, I mean, like so many questions from that, but tell me what, what was it, what was the driving factor between you going, I want to, I want to be the builder versus I'm going to have a builder as part of my team, but I'm going to kind of just oversee it all. And I'm going to do the design and like the bigger picture stuff. Like why, what made you go, no, I actually want to be the person who's who's the builder like the person who's really running the whole thing that's a really good question because you could very comfortably establish a career the other way you know working with a builder or for a builder yeah um I I'm not entirely sure just um <laughs> I guess I wanted to be the person that was steering the ship yeah and have ultimate creative control I wanted to um yeah, that's exactly right. I think I just wanted to be able to steer the ship. And I also probably just loved the idea of being a builder and kind of yeah. forging the way for other women in the industry because I truly in my gut believe that there should be many, many more female builders because there's something um, completely different about the way we operate a business. Yeah. You know, first of all, we're a woman builder communicating with more often than not, the yes. woman homeowner, yes. the mother, the nurturer, the home lover, Yeah. right? And so for a um, homeowner um, to be able to communicate her vision with a woman builder, immediately there's a deeper and better connection because we understand how we oh want to goodness. live. So, like, I can't tell you the number of times when I'm like, yeah, like this, you are so, I truly believe what you are saying. It's just like there's that female connection like this isn't an anti-male thing I just think sometimes like project management and having multiple moving parts like I'm just like there should be way more female builders like I think women are the best project managers like they just I think their brains just are wired that way generally kind of thing and so I think yeah like I totally get what you say about that female way of thinking it actually makes a lot of sense for them to be builders. Mm, yeah, for sure. And we are kind of naturally a little bit more kind of organized and able yeah. to oversee and take care of more things and um, sort of multitask. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think naturally women 
can really excel in this environment. Having said that, my business could never operate without men. And like the idea of a collaborative um, yes. workforce, that's really the sweet and spot. That's beautiful. Absolutely. That, and that's the thing. Like it's, there's definitely, it is, it's all about everyone working together. But <clears throat> I do think mm. that like, oh, there should definitely be more female builders. I think, yeah, I just think they would be such an asset to the industry for sure. 100%. And, and so tell me a little bit about, so you obviously you work with clients building their projects, but do you also do your own projects at the same time? I have, and it's probably one of my big goals to get back into that because yeah. um, I love, I love that. I love just being able to do my own, you know, creative projects like that. Having said that, most of our clients typically are the kinds of clients that let us have you know, almost complete free reign um, and do, and do what we specialize in and what we really excel at. Um, But yeah, there, I would, I would love to get back into it. I just need to find the time because we're so engaged with our clients and have a lot, a lot of work lined up that yeah. How do I physically find the time? (laughs) But but it's certainly one of the things that, um, you know, it's on my goals list and I'm journaling about it regularly and uh, it will, it will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Um, so one of the things that I would love to get your take on, and um, I've actually talked to a couple of other designers about it, um, is that dynamic on site when sometimes you are the only female on site and there is an energy, you're kind of, um, I suppose as the builder, it's slightly different from the perspective as, of the designer that's coming on. But I know that when, um, like the first time you go on a site, if you're possibly working with a team you haven't worked before, it can be really hard to be assertive and to kind of get across what you need. You know, sometimes builders or tradies can have um, an interesting take on what an interior designer brings to a project. Like I always find if a builder hasn't worked with an interior designer before, they have one perspective. And then they do a good project with an interior designer on board and they're like, oh, an interior designer should be on all projects. How do you find, like I imagine that you might sometimes be the only female on site a lot. Like how do you navigate that? Yeah, great question. Um, I I think exactly as you said, it's a very different dynamic, me being the builder Mm. versus me being an independent interior designer kind of coming in yeah into you know an established carpentry crew or whatever that dynamic is probably very different to my own dynamic (laughs) so I can imagine it would be a lot harder and maybe that's part of the answer to your earlier question Beth why did I want to be the builder yes (laughs) Um, I think because yeah I believe in my own vision and um yeah I want to bring others on board with the vision yeah I'll be perfectly honest I have never really struggled with that um, very common dynamic problem between women being a woman in a man's world yeah in a man's industry um for whatever reason I don't know maybe I'm a bit of a tomboy myself yeah. or something I don't know a bit rough and tumble um oh well, a multi uh dynamic personality actually yeah, because yeah. on the other hand I like to wear high heels and go out with my golf yeah. as well <laughs> um so I don't know I just um I I think I think the key is just finding people trades people that really do believe in your vision and like you said sometimes a builder then works with an interior designer and realizes oh man this is actually magic yeah um I need to be doing more of this kind of work 
pairing with someone that's bringing incredible good design to the project. And then they're, they're, the quality of their jobs is exponentially increased as well. So, um, yeah, I'm just um, fortunate, I think, that I've um, managed to find tradespeople that understand and believe in the vision and what we're trying to achieve. And I've also just learned the lesson that I can be assertive when I need to be, and that is... Um, just when I find a tradesperson that I struggle to get along with, and they're generally the trades that um, are negative, think it's too hard, can't be done, you know, whinge and complain and, you know, grumble and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I genuinely, it grates on me in my personal and professional life. And that's not the kind of person that I can normally get along with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so <clears throat> there's so many lovely, happy, can-do trades out there. They're the ones that I work with. And when I do come across the grumblers, I just um, don't, I just don't. And yeah. I, it was a, 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 just very recently I uh, connected with a Tyler and he had that kind of attitude and I just knew in my heart, I'm not going to be able to work a single day with this, yeah. with this chap. And so I just kindly said, I'm not going to be upset if you want to leave the job site right now because I can't see this. I'm struggling to connect and communicate. And he left and happy days, you know, end of that, just move yeah. on and, um, and I think find, I, find the quality people. Yeah, and I think that's really important because I think sometimes you do just need to call it and say, this is not going to work. Like, you know, I, it's funny you mentioned the Tyler. Like, I don't know how many Tylers I've been through because, you know, the thing where the minute they kind of start rolling their eyes when you talk about mitered edges and they're like, no, an angle will be fine. I'm like, no, like that seems to be like the thing and it's like yeah. this is not going to work out let's move on <laughs> so I think that's really yeah. um I think you know communication is the key and I suppose mm. that links me into another question that I'd love to get your take on is as a builder how do you find that relationship between an interior designer and the builder and like how have you found that when it works well like I mean, I know it comes back to communication and all of that kind of stuff, but what are the small little things that good interior designers do on site that make quality drawings? Yeah. Proper drawings with as much detail as possible. Um, and that's something that in my own business we're, you know, constantly evolving and working on because, um, because I am the person that's on site and can kind of just communicate verbally. Yeah. In the past, often our drawings have not been, you know, good enough. Yeah. Um, and we're kind of just often winning it in, on site and building it on site, you know, yeah. as we go. So that's been evolving in our business, especially as I'm trying to step back a little bit more from being on site. Yeah. The drawings need to be better. So each set of drawings we produce um, are better than the previous set. Having said that, um, that's the first thing, really quality good quality drawings with as much detail as possible. Yeah. But then also coming on site and um, still problem solving because there's always details that cannot actually be put on plans and yeah. that only become apparent in the construction phase. Yeah. Um, so just little tiny details, um, we're coming across them all the time. And it's helpful that when I'm on site because I can just very quickly problem solve yeah. and get the best, you know, the best outcome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just appearing on site as regularly as possible would probably yeah. be my other piece of advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, I think that's really helpful. Oh, I think, and yeah. bringing coffee and food. 
that's the number one kind of thing yeah 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 but I think that's really interesting because you know so often and like you know through all of these discussions I have with people like regardless of what what you're talking about communication is the big thing kind of thing but I think Mm. that relationship between builder and designer it's communication on multiple levels so it's not just about having you know, a good relationship on site. It's about what you're communicating to them at the very beginning. So when you're Mm. providing documentation for quoting, having enough information on them so that they are providing the right quote, you know, and like it it is that communication across multiple kind of, you know, levels and streams. And I think, which is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And some builders just, um, aren't up for that you know from an interior designer's perspective you also want to expect that the builder is giving the same in return and communicating and giving regular site updates you know yeah. that's the, that's the best thing if we're getting videos and photos um that the builder is sending yeah. um that makes you know interior designers feel a lot better as well so it's going to go it's going to go two ways it's not just about what the interior designers give the builders as an interior designer, you want to work with builders that are prepared to show up and step up and communicate well with you as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, oh, that's so, yeah. Wow. So true. Um, so one of the other strings, I mean, you have a lot of strings to your business, like you're a busy woman. Um, one of the things that I have kind of, that has piqued my interest recently is your venture into kind of what are we calling this kind of um, modular joinery, like pre-made joinery? Um, And I would love to hear all about it. Um, I have very kind of, you know, in the last year or so worked with a client who was obsessed, like truly obsessed with Devol kitchens in England. Like if, Mm. if she may as well have just, she was so close to ordering it to kind of ship it over here. Mm-hmm. I think she was so obsessed with it. Um, and we don't really have anything like that here at all. Yes. And so <clears throat> I think seeing what you're doing um, really piqued my interest. So tell me a little bit about that. Yes. Well, no wonder your client was obsessed with Duval and that, that style because it is beautiful yeah. and it speaks to my soul as well. I love it, that kind of more old school charming English style of joinery that like you said is not done here in Australia until now Mm. (laughs) so yeah just a little bit of the backstory about how this came along um Bronwyn who is one of the um women that works for me in my business um she's phenomenal so she well first of all we noticed this kind of gap in the market for this style of joinery me us personally as a business owner we wanted this style of joinery and also noticing that the general public out there wants this style of joinery but it can't really be done here affordably yeah. it can anything can be done right yeah. but it doesn't get done here it doesn't get done here because it's not affordable yeah and so you know this is the joinery with the exposed face frames i'm not sure uh if everyone's following you know, just with that but um and all the beautiful kind of more detailed trim carpentry work and um uh yeah lots of little like like I would say um like it obviously is a very it's a kind of a specific high-end finish um or look but it is a much more I suppose detailed look than what you would see in your general kind of interiors in in Australia yes yeah yes it is more detailed yeah and often to get the look as well hand-painted finish is another element that can add to that look as well yes. and gosh you know can you imagine hand painting here in yes. Australia what someone sitting there with a paintbrush and hand painting kitchen no way like we'd yes. pay a 
a fortune for it. So it doesn't happen. So we noticed this gap in the market, first of all. And then Bronwyn, who um, works with me, she spent 25 years in South Africa. Yeah. And um, things are different over there. And she had her own interior design business before she moved to Australia and worked with me and had a contact over there, another business owner um, who does joinery in this style, exactly in this style. Mm. Um, And, you know, things over there are just different um, costs and labor and all that kind of stuff. So it can be achieved more, more affordably. And so she was chatting to me about it. And um, we'd already been kind of chatting about this style and then spent a day thinking it through. And if this was a feasible thing, you know, to actually look into this. And by the time we get it shipped here in shipping containers, look at warehousing and overheads and all that kind of stuff. Is it a feasible thing? And after a day of research, we realized it, it was. Yeah. And then I said to Bron, well, what's the thing that we need to do next you know, what's the next step here? And she's like, well, really, you need to go to South Africa so you can see the product for yourself and see that it's the quality and the look that you really love. Yeah. And I literally said to her, oh, great. I'm free from tomorrow. When can we go? <laughs> and she said, oh, well, um, actually, it's about to get really cold in Cape Town. Yeah. And right, right now in Brisbane, there's a couple of public holidays coming up. So yeah. we should leave. We should leave now. <laughs> and I'm not kidding that by the end of that week or less than a week later, we were on a plane love heading it. to South Africa. I love it. And yeah. And um, that was so great. And also Bronwyn, you know, she organized the whole thing, bought all the yeah. tickets, organized all the accommodation, no South Africa. And yeah, you know, I didn't have to do anything. How lucky am I? Perfect. You know, she's, she's phenomenal. And uh, so we had just a bloody good time and yeah. then also lots of fun and yeah. food and fun Um but then also got to see this beautiful product and meet the wonderful business owners there and meet all the lovely trades, all the craftsmen and seeing it getting built in person. Yeah. So awesome. Just, yeah. just an incredible time. And um, so that was kind of established. And yeah, wow. so now we're busy. That was a few months ago. Now we're busy, you know, just trying to get it all happening um, we feel like we're kind of eight months pregnant, about to birth, yeah. you know. <laughs> so we're currently, um, you know, working on designs and getting all that kind of teed up and still working out all of our costs and overheads and getting all of yeah. the logistics, which yeah. is massive. Learning how to import product, all that kind of stuff yeah. Um, is, yeah. is huge. Thank God for Bron. She's very yeah. organized <laughs> and very good at researching. I'm yeah. not very good at those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and also because it was you know, this bronze baby as much as my yeah. own. So um, right back at the beginning, I said to Bron, oh, I'd love to do this, but we're going to do, do this together. So this yeah. is kind of its own little entity. We're in business together. That's we're doing awesome. this 50-50 together under the bigger front porch properties umbrella. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's just, gosh, I love that because, you know, being able to do business with someone is yeah. fun. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. Rather than having someone work for you, working with you is just fun on a different level. So I'm stoked to have kind of set that up with Bron. Oh, that's so yeah. exciting. And so um, will it be kind of like you'll have a set number of kind of combinations or how is it going to work? Yes. So the, that's the other thing. Other than the design being a gap in the market here. I think that the way that we're going to set this up is also a gap in the market for this approach as well. We're calling it semi DIY. 
which what it means is we design it all in-house. So uh, anyone, general public, anyone in Australia reaches out to us, sends us their plans, and we can design a kitchen or a space or any, you know, any joinery imaginable. We'll design it in-house. We charge a fee for that, but then that fee is credited back Mm -hmm. to the person at the time of purchase of the joinery. Um, And so we'll design it in-house. And then that design goes back and forth between us and the clients. Once we settle on that um, and kind of roughly price it for the client and everyone's, you know, happy, then it gets made by the craftsman in the warehouse in Cape Town, South Africa. And then um, we'll fill up shipping containers, get them sent uh, back here. And it comes, like you said, modular. So all of the individual cupboards and carcasses are pre-built you know there's no flat pack like Bunnings or Ikea it's all pre-built but they're all individual carcasses so so then to your door you'll receive your big order of all these pre-built carcasses which then either you if you're handy enough you install or you just engage a carpenter or a handyman or a um, cabinet maker yourself to install it yeah so um yes that's kind of semi that's why we're calling it semi DIY because it's yeah 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 fully flat pack it's yeah. already pre-assembled you just have to kind of install all the carcasses yeah. so yeah. there's also a gap in the market for that style of joinery as well that kind of system um yes. so I think that we've really tapped into something here very special very unique um, and will they and all be it. hand painted mm, yeah well if you want a colored finish it yeah. will get hand painted uh, although a lot of this style that we're describing a lot of it has um you know certain oak elements maybe the maybe the whole island the kitchen island for example maybe that's all entirely oak or you might have some drawer inserts which are oak or chopping boards which are oak or whatever lots of oak is part of the look as well and so that's um yeah that's obviously just finished in a clear clear varnish but yeah yeah, all the painted components yep someone's sitting there painting it painting it literally by hand that's amazing I know. Um, oh goodness, that's um, it's funny. Like, so this client that was like obsessed with Devol, um, she actually wanted. She ended up having a hand painted kitchen, like, and it was like I was like, oh my goodness, this is so labor intensive. Like, I, you know, it's just it is a real thing, kind of thing. And like, you yeah. can understand why it doesn't get done here that often, kind of thing. But for sure, um, or like why it's reserved for like you know the high end projects, kind of thing. But yeah, it's a really interesting. Um, I think it's such an interesting product for our market because, yeah, there is such a gap for it. Yeah, and just on that, that's another thing that we're trying to cater for as well is we want this to be affordable. Yeah. You know, that's also my other, like, passion project in all of this is that we're trying to make this attainable for the general, you know, person. Yeah. So um, so we think it's really aff- affordable how we've kind of set it up and, yeah. um you know, probably equivalent to high high end typical joinery here is kind yeah. of where we're where we're pricing it at, but it's a different product altogether. You know, yeah. so you're kind of paying similar to what you might pay here, but for a much more superior product. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I really do think oh, that we've wow. kind of hit the nail on the head with it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How exciting! Like, I think that just yeah, like I as I said, I can I can really see a gap in the market. So I think um I think there will be a lot of people who will be excited to kind of get their hands on it. Um yeah, I hope so. And what kind of, so like I mean, bringing something in from overseas, like, oh my goodness, that's you know, a whole other ball game and a whole heap of different skills that I'm sure you've kind of had to learn have a crash course in recently. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> what kind of lead times will you be looking at? Yeah, the whole thing. I guess if you contacted us today, you'd have your joinery 
you know, worst case, I'm guessing six months in yeah. six months. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, um, but that kind getting... of like in the scope of a big project kind of thing, like that it's, and once again, like a good design team, a good builder, like it's all part of the process kind of thing. So, you know, even if it does have, you know, a five to six month lead time, if it's factored in and it's scheduled out kind of thing, like that just all flows. For sure. And, you know, if you're building or renovating, you, you know, you're thinking about your joinery six months in advance anyway. Anyway, so exactly. And to engage a local cabinet maker takes months yeah. as well. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's um, actually that much of a pain point for people. No. I hope oh. not anyway. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see more of the product. As I said, I think there'll be such a market for it here. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, we've talked about like your builder hat and this hat kind of thing. I know you also have like an online store where you sell beautiful doors to the, like for projects as well. And you also have an Airbnb. Um, you wear a lot of hats. How do you, how do you manage that? Like, how is like, what are your, I suppose, tips from someone who is like, oh my goodness, I'm struggling to get out the door every day. Um, or, you know, they're starting to grow their business and they're thinking about maybe taking on some different revenue streams. How do you, how do you manage all of that, all of those different things? Yeah, great question. I only wear the hats that I really want to wear. Yeah. And um, <laughs> there are lots of little, uh, I've got my finger in lots of pies, like you said, there's lots of things happening. But the other thing is that business is also my passion. Yeah. So business and I kind of see it, it's it's really just a game, the game of business. And it, I use it as a playground for me. It's, um, you know, I love having fun in business yeah. and being able to experiment and try different things and spend time working out gaps in the market and um, just trying different streams um, of income and like always looking for that sweet spot. I think my biggest piece of advice is if you can find a genuine gap in the market, if you can find a genuine problem to solve, um, mix that with your own, something that you're very passionate about, something that, you're, that you love and you're very good at. If you can combine those two elements together, Baby, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. You know, that's you're 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 operating in your sweet spot. You're in your yeah. zone of genius. You're working on what you absolutely love and filling your days with what you absolutely love, whilst solving problems for people and filling gaps in the market. Yeah. So that's where I try and spend my um my time. So in terms of how do I do it all? How do I fit it all in? I'm very careful and strategic about where I spend my time. I make sure it's what I'm good at what I like, what I, um, all of that kind of stuff. And then outsource the rest, <laughs> outsource the rest. Don't even touch it. If you hate it yeah, and you're not any good at it, save your precious time and hire so help. So hire true. help. Even if you can't, even if you think you can't afford it, the value that that person is adding. Yeah. It's going to change your business model. It will change things for you. So, um, and is yeah, that something so, you've learned because you you just intrinsically know that that's how you work, or is that something that you have kind of had to learn through trial and error and like hanging on and doing stuff for too long, and you're like, this is ridiculous. Like I am wasting so much time because I don't enjoy it. I'm not good at it. It takes me so much longer to do than it should do, kind of thing. Like, is it something that you've kind of had to work towards coming to that realisation? 
Uh, it probably, I probably have always kind of intrinsically known that that's how I want to operate or that's how you should operate. But then I've learned it and it came about, um, well, Bronwyn, who's been with me for the longest, nearly three years, she just happened to reach out to me looking for a job yeah. um, three years ago. And I happened to be going through a divorce at the time and was swamped with work and was well in over my head. Mm. And I've had lots of people that reach out over the time, you know, looking for work and I've kind of, um, you know, um, hasn't been the right time or yeah. whatever. But when Bronwyn reached out, timing I think she was just an angel sent to me yeah. <laughs> at the right time and um, she reached out and basically said uh, well she saw um, one of my projects on the cover of a magazine she this yeah. is the story she told me she saw one of my projects on the cover of a magazine and turned and said to her husband I want to work for her and so she reached out to me um, by email and just and she actually offered her services for for free for a week or something like that oh, I yeah. think <laughs> very smart move yeah, very yeah smart yeah. move if you're wanting to work with someone that you um you know, that's a smart yeah. thing to do. Offer offer your services for free because what Bronwyn did, she did that and up truly after a day or two, she'd added so much tremendous value to my life personally and professionally. Yeah. I couldn't live without her for like yeah, another, yeah. you know, so I, you know, hired her, of course, instantly. Yeah. And um, yeah, she's excellent and is good at a lot of the things that I, um, yeah, really suck at Yeah, and took a huge, huge load off my shoulders. And then oddly, six months later, Tara, who also works in the business, she exactly the same thing. She sent an email totally out of nowhere um, offering her services. And it happened to be a completely different skill set again to what Bron yeah. and I um, are skilled at. And so yeah. Tara is excellent at, you know, contract administration, um, schedules, budgets, all sorts of spreadsheety wizardry that I have yeah. absolutely no idea about yeah. and don't care to know about. But yeah. she's ac excellent at it, like yeah. amazing. Um, and goodness, yeah, I'm just so incredibly thankful for her. Um, and so that's how I've kind of learned that when I get people that um, can just operate in their own zone of genius and their skill set, it frees me up to do what I'm best at. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now we're also, and then also I've got, I used to do all the interior design drawings, all myself, all the SketchUp stuff, yeah. all the 3D renders. And then we've got Mel. Um, who, I couldn't find anyone that understands my style or speaks the same design language. And yeah. then Mel again, miraculously appeared and she's phenomenal. She's better than me. She's just yeah. amazing. And we just speak, um, speak the same language and I'm yeah. so thankful for her as well. Ah, and, awesome. and, and now I'm kind of also now recognizing another gap in the business. And that is all things around like techie, digital marketing stuff, all stuff I'm useless at. Yeah, yeah. Probably all of us girls in the office are a bit yeah. average at that. So we're about to take on another full-time um, digital marketer to take care of all that kind of stuff because um, the business to this day I've never spent one dime on advertising somehow the business has run by me just doing one shitty Instagram post every couple of days or sometimes even every couple of months because I'm so terribly bad at it it's not something yeah. that I enjoy doing so um, Instagram posts is literally all I've ever done yeah and so I think it's time to up the ante now and get on you know take on a professional that can really help us put our business, you know, have a digital footprint yeah. and take things to the next level for us. So I'm excited about that. She starts in a couple of weeks too. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I really love that. Like I think that um, I think from a leadership perspective, I think that's such an amazing um, kind of uh, way of thinking about it in that 
great leaders, they don't, you know, they take on, they recognize where the gaps are in what they like to do or what they're good at. And they hire people to fill those gaps rather than hiring people to do the same thing that they do kind of thing. But then from a team perspective, that's also awesome because then it means that everyone is doing something that they love to do and that they are good at. And so there's no kind of like, you know, everyone's got their little spheres that they're kind of the master of. So from a team perspective, it's awesome as well kind of thing. So it's like you've got a real kind of a great um, little group of, a group of people up there that are just really humming along. For sure. Yeah. Incredibly thankful. We all work separately as well. You know, none of us, we don't have a central office. We're all just kind of remote. Um, I love that as well because we're operating lean, which I think is another smart business move. Just operate, Mm -hmm. operate lean. You know, I never spent any money on like car signage or business cards or any, anything like that. Just operate lean and let the business grow first before you kind of um, spend money and time on that kind of stuff. But honestly, you know, this day and age, you don't need to have a central office. You can just work remote. You know, everything happens via Zoom instantly, yeah. quickly. It's just fast and efficient. And um, I love it. We catch up, you know, um, Bron's coming to town tomorrow. She's on, she lives on the Sunshine Coast, yep. catching up with her and Tara tomorrow. So we do catch up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're all just so, like you said, so unique, got our own different skill sets and we can just trust each other to take care of what we're what we're good yeah, at that's awesome yeah um I would love to just kind of deep dive a little bit with you on what you just touched on about that kind of progression of your I suppose the marketing of your business like going from um word of mouth just you know the quality of your work obviously speaks for itself kind of thing um and now moving into kind of formalizing the process and you know expanding the business on in the digital kind of sphere is that what has been kind of your thinking process behind that kind of thing? Like, have you kind of got to the point where you're like, I want the business to go to the next level or we've kind of capped out at where we're going to get from like word of mouth and all that kind of stuff? Like what's been your, I'd love to kind of understand your thinking process a little bit about that. I don't know if I've got much of a thinking process around it because <laughs> it's something that I absolutely suck at. Yeah. I have no knowledge truly um, other than the knowledge that I suck at it and that yeah. I need I need help. Um, so yeah, I've just plotted along um, with with nothing. And I think, like you said, um, what we're really good at, what we excel at has sort of sold itself. Yeah. So fortunately, we've always had lots of business because we're good at what we do. Yeah. Um, and I suppose yeah. there would be people that would be like, well, that's it. Like we're always busy. Like, do we need to do anything more? Like, is, yeah, is that exactly. enough? Kind of thing? So I suppose it's, what what is your what's the driver for you to, from going I'm happy like from going okay I want more than what we're doing right now yeah and that's how I've been for so long yeah. very content and happy just plodding along yeah um something in my soul just says it's time to really ramp it up and um, impact more people and um yeah show more of the world what we're what we're really good at and yeah. um and I have no interest in it. Like yeah. you talk to me about like a sales funnel and an email marketing campaign. I literally have no idea. I'm saying those words. I don't even know what they are. I've done nothing. Zero. I don't have an email list. Nothing. Yeah. It's probably just um, 
a recognition as well that a quality business should have some of this basic stuff in place and it's time to level up, you know, yeah. and I find like um, I'm leveling up in my own personal journey. Yeah. So I also want to mirror that and level up in my professional journey and just get things to where they should just be operating, you know, yeah. um, just do things better. Yeah. Um, Cause I sometimes so- think like from a business perspective, <clears throat> like as you were saying before, like the business has almost been, you've kind of been catching up to the business. Like it feels like it's had its own momentum and you've obviously had an amazing pipeline of work kind of thing, but it hasn't like, and I think sometimes when that happens, it's awesome, but it means you don't necessarily do all of the, the stuff in the background that you should do. Um, and then sometimes, so you kind of end up doing things in reverse or you're just like, oh, hold on. Like, I don't, like, I don't have that. So I need to go back. And I find it yes. interesting because I think some business owners get to a point where they're like, nah, I'm happy to just keep rolling along. Or they kind of go, no, I want it to be, I want it to be all the things that a proper good business should have kind of thing. So I find it a really interesting I suppose, point in a business owner's journey around where they decide to kind of, as you say, level up, like kind of take it to the next step kind of thing. And I think, um, yeah, I just find it a really interesting kind of little point in a business owner's journey. Yeah, well, I think it's just about identifying your most immediate bottleneck. What's yeah. the thing in your business right now that's sort of most trapped or stuck? Yeah. And just tending to one, tending to that one step at a time, fixing that and moving on to the next one, fixing that and moving on to the next one. And I guess now for me, it's just all of that kind of digital marketing stuff. And also now stepping into the world of having an e-commerce store yeah. as well, selling product, selling yeah. doors and selling cabinetry. That's a new step in the business. So that's also probably spurring me on to yeah. get all this digital marketing set up because so far I've been selling doors, they're selling well, purely because I post a story on Instagram every other couple of days or whatever. Yeah. But imagine if I actually did some proper marketing. Yeah. So um, it's just time. It's just time to pull my finger out, basically. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing more and more of you on Instagram once um, in a couple of weeks, once this lady's kind of on board and kind of got it all going kind of thing. Cheers, so <laughs> Beth. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed it works out. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I mean, we've touched on this with the joinery, but... I would love to know what are you looking forward to in your business in the next 12 months? Oh, I think we've kind of touched on it a yeah. fair bit. Hey, yeah, all of this. I'm looking forward to um, just seeing where this cabinetry goes. Yeah. Um, it looks like I said, it's, it's probably clear. I'm very passionate about it and very much believe in it. And think yeah. it's, I just think it's going to go gangbusters because I believe in the product and the problem that we're solving for people. So really excited to see where that goes and, you know, sorting out warehousing issues for all of that because we've got a warehouse already for all of my doors. So they're stocked in a warehouse. And so there's some space there for some joinery, but not a lot of space. So what's that going to mean? Do we need to look at more warehousing considerations and and other stuff? There's other little business ventures that are um, birthing as well. There's another like product that we're going to be introducing, which I think is also going to be phenomenal for, it's actually a, a Stain product for timber because you know a lot of business a lot of people have timber that's red yes um this is a very sorry very short tangent no, no. Timber that's red, like merbau timber or yep. your hardwood floors in your house people are kind of sick of the daggy red right but often the solution is well you either have to stain it dark to get rid of the red or you can try and do some kind of milk wash yes. uh or you put some floorboards over the top of your genuine yeah. hardwood floors which is crazy yeah. So this product that we've come across, it's another South African product. It's a two-part product. It basically strips the tenons, the colour out of the timber first, and then 
it's got like dozens of color stain options that you then put over the top so you can turn you know uh red hardwood into oak oh wow and there's no product like that on the market so um that's another thing that we'll step into next we need to get you know one step at a time we need to get our cabinetry stuff sorted first and then we'll look into that product importing that's a south african product as well importing that so that one's happening there as well um yeah, and like I said earlier, the developments of my own projects without clients, that's another thing that I'm, you know, investigating and looking forward to stepping into. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I'm in a really good place in my own personal life. And, um, you know, once we get our own personal internal life sorted out, we level up inside, sort ourselves out emotionally, mentally, uh, physically, spiritually, all that kind of stuff. Once we level up inside, our outside levels up as well. So yeah. I'm kind of just um, – continually to be honest it's a huge priority of mine now and in, in the next 12 months continuing to work on myself yeah. I've changed a lot about my life personally um, and I can see how that's being reflected on the outside so I just want to keep stepping up um, striving to be the better version of myself each and every day yeah um, and then that's reflected in business so I'm oh. feeling fully super pumped for life that yeah. is so awesome and look I I I think that's great like I think you know that that vision of like a business owner who's just running on empty all the time and like, you know, is too busy to exercise because they've got so much to do kind of thing. And I think um, so often in as a business owner, you kind of like when you kind of take this time and go, okay, I need to look after myself so that I can be, you know, the driver of the business, you really do start to see like the two are very connected. Oh, I feel goosebumps hearing you say that and feel compelled to press that point a little bit more because yeah. it's life-changing, it's game-changing. If you can, really be very protective of your time and carve out precious time for yourself. Yeah. That's where I've had so many breakthroughs lately because I've really very carefully uh, emptied my calendar. Yeah. I've emptied my calendar very intentionally. I'm a single woman and I recently, like a month ago, I decided to stop dating just stop the chase yeah it hit me like a ton of bricks it was like a light bulb moment where I suddenly felt Rachel stop stop the search stop yeah. searching for love actually come in into yourself and learn how to love yourself learn how to really enjoy your own company learn how to date yourself and uh and spend some time going within and the opportunity that that has afforded me like it's it's changed everything yeah. and um, not just not filling my weekends with things, yeah. but rather sitting and allowing myself to be bored. I also oh. don't have a TV. I don't watch TV. I haven't watched TV for three and a half years. And I'm not saying that's for everyone, but it's really worked <laughs> for me because yeah. I have ADHD. So yeah. eliminating extra noise out of my life is another really freeing thing for me. I, but truly I, think, just... I think that's the key. It's, it's whatever your noise is. So mm. I think um, like, I think, finding whatever it is, whether it's mindlessly scrolling through social media or, you know, TV, whatever it is, I think it's mm. the noise. Like when you really, um, like I think, and this applies to a lot, of, like to most people, I think, but for business owners in particular, I think it's really important because I think you have so many inputs on a daily basis kind of thing. Like mm. someone's always wanting a piece of you, whether it's a client or a supplier or a builder or a trader, whoever it is kind of thing. And so if you are hectic inside your own mind kind of thing and you, you haven't 
got that sense of balance and calm, then it's really hard to kind of be calm on the outside as well kind of thing. So I think that, For that, sure. that, that yeah. bit about the noise, like that's the bit that you need to focus on. Yes. And you'll find that when you don't have the noise, I mean, you've got the calm and you allow yourself to sit and be bored. That's when the inspiration strikes. That's when it all comes to you. Yeah. And we're too busy and too flurried. We miss those opportunities just to be yeah. patient and sit with ourselves and allow the inspiration to hit us. I think as a business owner, we must carve out time yeah. like that for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh, wow. Well, I am so excited to see what you've got coming in the next 12 months. I think you'll... um. Wow, you're going to kick some goals, I'm sure. So how can our community find you, reach out to you, connect with you, look out for your joinery? Like where can we find you? Yeah, well, probably my Instagram account. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably, yeah, at Front Porch Properties is my handle on Instagram. Um, and, you know, I've been trying to update my website, even engage somebody. And again, because I'm so terribly useless at anything techy and getting those sorts of things organized, it just hasn't happened yet. The website yeah. is so out of date. So that's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. So hopefully this new employee can help with that. <laughs> but probably for now, um, yeah, Instagram. We've just finished putting together our catalog, like our online catalog, which gives a little bit of a price guide for all of this joinery because that's kind yeah. of the first step for people interested in the joinery is working out roughly, you know, if you've got a small kitchen or a medium kitchen or a large kitchen or a mudroom or a pantry yeah. or whatever, the catalogue gives you a little bit of an indication of the price point. And then if you feel comfortable with that, then you kind of reach out to us via email to begin that design journey. So, yeah, um, or also e email as well. Email Bronwyn. Her address is hello at frontporchproperties.com.au. She's um, very prompt and reliable and we'll get back to you straight away as well. <laughs> and we will link to all of those in the show notes for everyone. Um, Rachel, thank, you, thank you so much. I have really enjoyed this chat um, and uh, I'm sure everyone else will get a lot out of it. And um, I, like a lot of people, will be really looking forward to seeing your joinery coming through. So thank you so much. Thank you, Beth. It's been a pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed that design dialogue with Rachel. I spent most of that time scribbling down little notes because there were so many little things that she talked about that I just think resonates with so many businesses and um, so many things that we can learn. A couple of things that really stood out to me was right at the beginning of the episode when Rachel was talking about the way she attacked getting her builder's license um, and those more everyday consistent activities is what led to her getting that license. And I think that's such a, you know, it's just a life lesson, but especially in business. So often, you know, we can have these massive goals and big projects that we want to achieve but we kind of are just paralyzed because we don't know where to start. And so I think that advice to take small, actionable steps every day is so helpful and I think can be applied to so many areas of life. Another great area that I thought Rachel talked about was how she runs a relatively large business on a very small and lean team. I love that concept of outsourcing what you are not good at. There's there's no point having someone else in your business who can do the same as you. But great leadership is around knowing what you are not good at 
and hiring people that have complementary skills to you. So I think that was a great takeout. The other thing that I really took away from Rachel's discussion and that I think is really relevant, especially at the moment, is right at the end of the, the episode where we were talking about how as business owners, it's really important that we look after ourselves and that we give ourselves time and space away from the business because that's when the magic happens. I know in my own business that if I am stressed and, you know, just getting things done, then I'm not really performing at my best. But when I take the time to step away from the desk, make sure I'm exercising and spending time with my family and friends and filling, I suppose, that personal cup, then my business is better. I'm having more creative ideas. I'm seeing ways to solve problems that previously seemed unsolvable. So I thought that was a really um, timely reminder of how important that is, especially, you know, so many business owners at the moment are saying that inquiries have quietened down and it just seems a little bit quieter out there at the moment. And that can sometimes be a time when you kind of get busy doing stuff, but actually sometimes it's a good time to take the opportunity to pause, reflect and take a step back from the business and have the headspace to see, are there other areas that I could be working on? Are there other revenue streams I could be generating? And seeing the business a bit more clearly. So I hope you enjoyed this design dialogue and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to this design dialogue. I hope you have found it full of inspiration and helpful information to take into your design studio. If you would like to unlock the power of effortless studio management and elevate your design business to new heights, please follow the links in our show notes to see how more time to design can help you build a better business. If you would like to get in touch, please reach out on email or Instagram. You can find the links to both in our show notes. I would also love it if you could rate and review this podcast. This helps others find it. Follow the link in our show notes. Have a great week and I will see you for our next design dialogue.